0: Show today, Dale. Well, hello. <laughs> One of the most recognizable voices in the Philippines.
1: Fine, like, like we just met now. <laughs> exactly.
0: right. She redefined uh, the Justin role women of women on Tina FM Ryan. radio. It was
1: a boys' club, you know. FM radio was a boys' club. So anyway,
0: a conversation with Delamar about everything from fame, motherhood, leaving her job to egg cells. Yep, egg cells. Let's get right to it. This was the nineties, right? Was
1: it yes. the early nineties? Chico had already been uh, the host of The Morning Rush mm-hmm. when I came in. It was really his show to begin with, but I was and I was his newscaster. So every time we would talk, we would always fight. We would end up fighting. Actually, this is how it happened, according to me. Because <laughs> right. you could talk yes, to him. Yes,
0: that's right. Because back then, it was the women would do the newscasts, yes. and then the guys yes. were the, the DJs. The DJs and the, yeah. So
1: kids now don't understand that delineation of work. Women were just for this, and men were for that. Right. It, was, it was a boys' club. You know, FM Radio was a boys' club. So anyway, I would come in, and as it happens in Rx before... So you're going to talk about the news that was coming on the bottom of the hour, the 30th. So you come in on the 10th minute, say, oh, we're going to talk about in the news, blah, blah, blah. Stay tuned. That's it. It's one minute. supposed to be quick. You're not supposed to deviate from script and just do it quickly. So because I didn't know him, I had just come in and I didn't know anybody. And they expected me to write a script for the intro. And it was always so boring, like hi, good morning, how are you? So I overheard him talk to another newscaster to say, yeah, Dell, you know, the the scripts are not good. And this, I was like, jaw dropped to the floor. And I'm like, really? Well, I, I can't really write for you because I do not know you. I'm not a radio listener prior to joining Rx. And so I came in to work the next day and I said, really? I don't do good scripts. Fine. So I would say, hi, good morning, in the news later. And then for his line, I'd say ad lib. And then I'll write my lines and then ad lib. But this gave him the freedom to say what he really wanted. So when he would say something, I would react to it genuinely because I didn't know what he was going to say. And it ended up we would fight. People thought that was a staged fight. No, it was real. Those oh. fights were real. Everybody thought it was cute. Like, oh, they really like each other. But, you know, it's a meat-cute yes. of rom-com. And we were like, no, dude. I almost <laughs> walked out one time out of the booth because I was so begun. and Because I didn't really know him. And he didn't know me. And we were both, like, very different people. And so it was. It was. Those were real fights.
0: What was the turning point? When did you kind of decide? Okay, maybe this guy is not so bad. I was doing this for eleven months, and of course, it was early in the morning, and we weren't really
1: a high rating show. And the next thing we knew, there was a buzz, and advertisers were talking to our sales, like, "Who do you have then in the morning?" You know, the people who fight. That's what we were known for. Oh. The people who fight. And then all of a sudden, everybody was interested in placing commercials on that show and then kids loved dropping by then you then the show finally got its traction and started growing and more than anything it's really the listeners they're crazy people crazy interesting smart people who
0: make the content of the show what it is which is really funny because they're funny it was known for being very funny yeah very smart without stooping to a level that might have been seen as you know (laughs) degrading humor which many shows did kind of stoop to
1: but you guys never really did that. No, I guess it was the way that we had, the way we really talked to each other. It's, it's real. It was very representative of who we were as people. Also, we would come on the show and we wouldn't know how to feel about a certain topic. But as we were talking about it, it becomes more clear how to feel about it, how to, you know, how to approach this. And at the time when we started, it was uh, LGBT community. It was, you know, it was starting to be talked about, be accepted, and we were all figuring things out. And that was the great thing about the show. It wasn't just fun, although it was, but there was, for me at least, there was a lot of self-discovery that was
0: happening in real time. It sounds almost like it was group therapy. It was like... For sure, because yeah. I talked about family problems. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we did. On air, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.
1: Like, I would always say, like, I was, like, really just a horrible kid to have around. And so, I,
0: so stuff like that. Not, nothing about them. Okay, so self it like was But more like me, because I have a rich inner monologue and, yeah. as a child. <laughs> you started out doing the news. Was that because you were a journal major? Was that what you wanted to do? How did you end up even doing news on radio? It was funny
1: because, okay, so I was a history major. Okay. So I thought I was going to be a lawyer because I come from a family of lawyers. So I I thought it was a foregone conclusion. And then I was like, "Mm, not really feeling it, but okay. Send out my resume. So my friend whom I met in another station where I started out as a student jock told me, hey, what are you doing? I go, nothing. I just graduated on nothing. I'm waiting, waiting. And he said, why don't you come in? We have a newscaster who's leaving for, for this date. So maybe you can fill in for her. I said, yeah, Sure. Are they going to pay me? <laughs> and they said, yeah, okay, I'm in. It was supposed to be just a summer job. And then slowly, because of the rapport that we were building on the show, they just decided after 11 months to have me like a jock position. So it was like Chico and Del. equal footing, You're, you don't just come in once or twice an hour. You're in it f- from 6 to 10.
0: Did he resent you in any way for that? Did it feel <laughs> like you took half my show,
1: girl? Um. Was there any of that? <laughs> like, no, no, I think we knew that. No, we didn't know what it was going to be, the show that it was going to be. We had no clue. Yeah. We just knew that it was fun. I mean, it was exhilarating. Maybe not fun every day because you're fighting, right? right? But it was exhilarating. You felt alive. Blood was pumping all over because you were, you know. And also we were dealing with topics that I guess we were, we were really saying what we felt. Not what was expected. Not what was cool. And we're both kind of nerdy. Right. So we would, you know, but this, oh, what about that? You know, it was like a... You know the nerds, and so show show
0: of strength. Yeah, it's like I
1: know this, but do you know that? (laughs) So no, I don't think he resented it. I think we were we knew that there was something we didn't know what it was at the time, but we knew there was something. It was fun.
0: Were you guys prepared for what it became? Because then one day you guys were just on like billboards along the main highways, right, right, and And also ads and and, being
1: featured everywhere. And we had like albums and these books and a following and. It, no but the great thing was it was happening slowly every day you were building relationships not just with each other but with the listeners and so when it was building up we didn't feel like it was just us it was a co- it really is a community of listeners who make it what it is if you took out the listeners it would be just 50 percent even now that I have left the show for two years has it been two years yeah I left okay. in 2016 and if I remember what all the things that we did and You know, the heyday, I was like, wow, that was really major. That was
0: major. What was the biggest thing you remember? Like when you say heyday, what is the thing that strikes you the most? Oh, there are so many peaks. Dina Bonnevi had a TV show.
1: On Channel 7 at the time called Miss D. And one day we got a call from the producers to say, oh, could you guest on the show? So Out it was just of, like
0: a morning show that she had? and
1: It was, was a it talk, talk show. show. It was an okay. afternoon talk show. But I, we knew that there would be some episodes where you ha- you're with other DJs and, you know, they will talk to jocks and whatever. So we thought it was going to be like that, a jock episode. But when we got there, it was just us. So it was a Chico and Dell sit down with Dina Bonnevie. as she asks you questions. And so we were like, is this happening? (laughs) Are are we really on Channel 7 doing this? Like, why? And it was. It was very real. And it was insane. Like, I go, I was so nervous before she called us into the couch on, on the set. And I remember thinking, whoa, whoa. And there she was talking to us. And she's kind of intimidating because, you know, she's known to be matara and straightforward. And she doesn't suffer fools. And, <laughs> you know, she's going to yeah. tell you. Yeah. But
0: it was so much fun. I remember thinking, wow. And for two decades, Chico and Delamar ruled the FM airwaves.
1: So I had this bit where when I would have my period, I would say, you know, there's this one egg cell. And she's like, I'm not leaving until I get fertilized. <laughs> And I, and people responded to me talking to my egg cells. And it was right. because I was in my 30s and there was nothing in the offing for me. I mean, I had been in relationships that didn't work out and it failed miserably. And so it was like, well, I think I'm done. I'm 36. I don't yeah. think I'm going to find love at this age. So I said, I remember praying one afternoon, God, please, if it's not going to happen, just take away the desire so I can live my life happily. That's all I'm asking. And then I remember feeling like, wow, oh, that's a nice prayer. That's a prayer I needed. Yeah. And so I found peace. Without having an answer, it was just the right prayer at the time. Right. And then, well, next, next thing I knew, I had met someone that I had no plans of dating. Right. I had a child with someone I wasn't dating. I, I didn't want to date. Right. And then now we've had, we have three kids.
0: After two decades on the morning rush with Chico and a new co-host named Gino, Dell decided it was time to leave the show. There was
1: a pressure on women on FM in the Philippines to be viable. You need to be dateable. And if you're not, you are eased out or your days are numbered. So it wasn't about your talent or your skill. or mm-hmm. It's not that. It's how dateable you would be. So it's almost like you really are there as decoration,
0: an accessory.
1: That a can woman, be- like yeah. how how women are thought of. And so they had issue about me talking about my child, about uh, my husband, about sounding like a mom, and I, yeah. And and I remember uh, somebody told me just don't talk about that because we want you to seem available. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm not the girl you want to date. That was never me. I'm the girl you want to talk to. I also said with social media, how can we pretend that I'm single when on my social media. And in magazines, my pictures there, I mean, it didn't make sense. And so I, that was what started my decision to leave. Maybe I'm not needed. Maybe I'm done. Maybe that's it for me. It took me about a year and a half to finally leave. It it felt like, well, if I'm not needed here, quote unquote, needed here anymore, then I should stay home. I'm needed there more. I have kids And I could finally settle down and really just take care of my family, learn how to take care of a family. It was just hard to say goodbye to Chico more than anything else. And Gino, you know, because I had been 20 years sitting in front of someone through so many things that have happened, you know, through deaths and, you know, people didn't know it. But a lot of those years were we were suffering, but you wouldn't know it because once you entered the show, it was like a bubble where we were allowed to just be happy. No matter what shh sh- was going on around, you could just be happy. So it was hard to say goodbye to Chico. I remember breaking the news to him in the garage. We were holding our bags in front of our cars and I wouldn't leave. And so he knew that there was something there. It took me quite a while. You know, I was like dancing around it. And finally, I just said it. I think I'm leaving. That
0: was hard. But leaving the hit morning show wasn't the end of Delamar's radio career.
1: There's a part of me that yearns for adult (laughs) conversation because I'm always with kids and and I I miss it. I'm really that girl who needs to talk to her friends and really connect. That makes me very happy. And now I'm in my life where all my friends are busy with their lives. You don't have as much time anymore. And so I find myself wanting that and I don't know where that's going to lead, that wanting. To be perfectly honest, like I'm 44, I'm 45 this year and I'm thinking... Is that it? Was that my life? Like, is that the... I don't know if other people feel that way. Yeah. like, am I a has-been? And is there no more
0: contribution? Can't I do anything? She's back on the airwaves on another station, pioneering a different kind of show.
1: It's everything about parenting. And it's all about being a mom. And it allows me to be who I am. On the radio, which was great because now I could be I could talk about my family and all the issues and the questions I'm having at this present day in my in my life. And I could talk about it on the show with other mothers as we figure out, do you believe in spanking? Do you believe in vaccines? Do you believe all those questions that mothers ask themselves? And so for me, it's like another stage of my life. It's once a week, so it doesn't really take me away from the family I just like talking to people and, and it's nice when you have that connection with people you otherwise would never have a connection with and something magical happens in that conversation and it's nice because you can
0: have other people hear it. When you look back in your life, clearly nothing you've done has been planned. I mean, you were studying. Oh yeah, to it's be like winging little... it. Yeah, <laughs> Everything was winging. <laughs> but what have you learned from all of that though?
1: Um, hmm. I think that life is so unpredictable. You really have no idea where it's going to bring you. And I learned this from Celine Dion. (laughs) I watched her in Vegas uh, this year. And she said, you know, you have to learn to be happy in every circumstance of life. And I really think that that's what it is. So whether you're doing a show that you really love, find happiness in it. Or when it's time to move on to the next phase of your life, find happiness in it or whatever else, maybe when I'm retired or maybe when my kids are grown and they have their own lives and they don't want to call mom anymore, I still have to find the happiness in that. So, yeah, when I look back, nothing was planned. But, wow, what a great what a great run
0: so far because I'm still only just 44. I, I hope I still have some time. <laughs> <laughs> it's transitioning, right? Has that made it easier for you to transition from one phase to the next, what Celine Dion said? You have that mantra constantly playing in your head. Has it been easy to keep finding the joy in – Wherever you're at? For me, like, it's so insane right now.
1: A certain moment with my children is just, it fills you with so much love and happiness down to a cellular level. It seems almost crazy. Like, your child holds your hand as you cross the street, and you're like, oh my God, life is good. You know, I'm, I'm in that moment in my life. So, in as much as I yearn for the outside conversation, adult conversation, You know, being able to go out with no responsibilities when you need to go home, stuff like that. Although I I yearn for times like that, I know that I am where I need to be at this time. I just don't know where I'll be in the next five years, next ten years or something. But so far life's been good with the surprises, you just gotta learn to roll with it.
0: But it hasn't been all joy and laughter. Del and her husband also lost a daughter. Barely a month old. She was
1: premature. By the end of the whole thing, we had eight specialists, you know, attending to her, and still nobody knew what was wrong. It's been five years hence, right? But what happens is I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But there will be one moment when you remember, and it's as if you occupy a space where you feel like you still can negotiate to have her back. And that's when it hurts the most. I got my world turned upside down. And it took a lot to not lose my mind. Because you can get lost in the pain. And there's so much guilt. And you don't understand where that guilt is coming from. You feel like if you die, you can be with your daughter. But you need to remind yourself that there are people who are still there. And who still need you. And then there's this love. How can you say that all is lost when you have so many people? People who are still waiting to love you. So, if anybody is going through anything, I don't know if it would be helpful for them to hear that, but it certainly helped me kind of put focus back in my life and still grieve. But now I can put my grief in its proper place because that's what it is. That's what you need to do to give it just the right amount of importance in your life, but never lose your bigger focus.
0: As happy as she is to be back on the air, family remains most important. The job of mothers is
1: quite the task. You're rearing children who will become adults in the future and who will either be very good citizens or a problem of the state. (laughs) And even on a small scale, if you don't raise them well, they are going to hurt people. Just thinking about that. So I could differentiate a peak in my professional life, but this is my life's work. This is my legacy, not the professional side. It's this, my children, my family. I never thought I'd have it. So now that I'm here, I'm failing a lot of times because I'm not really domesticated, but I keep
0: trying. What do you use as your tool to deal with any kind of questioning or doubt? Like when you're not sure about something. How do you then, like, as you said, you're very sure that you are where you're supposed to be. What do you use as your barometer? How do you know?
1: It's a feeling thing. It's, it's a gut feel that, because if you feel like you need to stand up and go be somewhere, you got to be somewhere. I don't feel like that right now. I am exactly where I need to be. My children need me. They need the conversation. And although sometimes it's
0: the same conversation over and over, that's parenting. So you're, you've figured it out so far, so good. Where you're at this is where you're. I think what I'm, and- what
1: I'm, what I'm doing is understanding, like a bigger picture of life. And I think that's what motherhood has done to me—to understand my. I'm a small speck in this huge t- tapestry, but I understand the value of it and all the mothers put together. And I think I'm making sense of the life I have, mm-hmm. and then talking to other mothers and what they go through and the struggles that mothers have, and I understand the power obviously there's still a long ways to go but what I like is I'm owning every stage of my life that's what growing old has taught me (laughs) enjoy your 20s because there will be a time and you'll be done with it you should have already exhausted everything you have you want from your 20s so that when you're in your 30s you don't look back and say oh I should have done that I should have done that so right now I'm in this motherhood phase and I don't want to resent it and I don't I love it I love it even when I'm even when I'm Yearning for adult conversation, that's not to say I don't love where I am. It's just that my mind wants, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess I just want good conversation, adult conversation. But I love the life I have, and I and I realize the need for it, my purpose. So I don't have any questions when it comes to, like, am I
0: in the right – I am in the right place. Do you have any advice for young women, then, who are unsure – what they are going to be doing with the rest of their lives. You know, maybe in their 20s, even late 20s, who still feel like, my gosh, by now I should have it all figured out and I don't. I don't have any advice except feel it all. You are where
1: you need to be in your life. And if you're unsatisfied, that is where you need to be. It means you need to change something. And so if you're afraid, if you're uncertain, if you're lost, if you're lonely, if you're hopeless you're in despair you're happy you're you know on top of your game own it all in every stage of your life because then you can exhaust each and every phase and hopefully by the end of your life you'll be like wow I did it so the the questioning the doubt the loneliness it's all part of it and if you you need to embrace that because that's telling you where you need to go should you stay should you look for a better path whether that's personal or professional own everything in your life even grief because you need to not deny things that you're feeling so own it all feel it all and if you do that then you can go to the next stage of your life and then the next and
0: And that concludes our conversation with Delamar I hope you've enjoyed it I'd like to thank all the guests that have been on our show so far. But most importantly, I'd like to thank each and every one of you out there listening. The show is going to go on hiatus for a bit, but we hope we've been able to give you something to think about, indeed something to enjoy in all the episodes that we have collected here. And please, if you do have the time, take a moment to rate and review the show and tell everyone you know about us if you've enjoyed listening. If you'd like to send us an email, do drop us a line at aboutthat.thepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Again, I'm Marga Ortigas, and thank you very much for listening.